The following is a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, how you can support it, or applying to become a student, please visit www.gpts.edu. Hello and welcome to another edition of Confessing Our Hope, the podcast of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. My name is Zach Groff and I'm your host, and I'm very excited. Uh, Today we're going to be going through our second denominational debrief session for the summer. We're going to be talking about the 271st Synod of the Reformed Church in the United States. Yes, they've been having uh, nationwide synods for 200, over 270 years. And this one was held um, in Kansas City, Missouri in in May, from May 15th through 18th, right before our graduation ceremony. And I'm excited, especially because uh, we have a graduate of the seminary here with us, the Reverend Travis Grassmid. And Travis is a pastor at Zion Reformed Church in Menno, South Dakota. He's, uh, like I said, a graduate of the seminary. He graduated in the class of 2008, and he's ministered in both the RCUS and the URCNA, so the Reformed Church of the United States and the United Reformed Church North America. Recently, this year, he has been selected as the RCUS representative on the GPTS Board of Trustees. So not only is he a graduate and a minister in the RCUS, but he's also a a voting board member for uh, Greenville Seminary's board. So we're really excited to have him on today. I think this is uh, this will be a treat for for you listeners. And Travis, I thank you for joining us. Well, it is certainly a pleasure to be here with you, Zach. Uh, Greenville Presbyterian has uh, a very warm spot in my heart as the seminary from which I graduated, and I'm honored to be able to serve the seminary in this capacity represented the re- representing the Reformed Church of the United States. It's a pleasure to be here. Amen. So diving right into our discussion, uh, very briefly, for the benefit of our listeners who, who may not be familiar with the RCUS, what are some of the distinctives culturally, historically, theologically of, of the Reformed Church United States? Oh, that's a, that's a loaded question, and it all depends on who you ask. But uh, as you mentioned in your intro, this is our 271st Synod, uh, and so we do have a rich history. But that uh, has some variables in it. Back in the 1930s, we were one of the largest uh, Reformed denominations in, in the nation. However, there were mergers at that time, and those mergers uh, through a series of steps, ultimately ended up uh, being the United Church of Christ. However, there were a handful of churches primarily situated, uh, the heartland being right here in middle South Dakota, but primarily situated in the Dakota region who were immigrants. They were German, but they had spent a couple generations in Russia. And from Russia, they had uh, moved during during the uh, the land grant times, and they settled here in the Dakotas, and still speaking German, they established their own classes. That classes was called the Eureka classes, and the Eureka classes was the one classes that remained out of the mergers, and so we went from being a 1600 church denomination to being eight or 10, I don't remember how many, but very few in the 30s. Just for the benefit of our listeners who are not as familiar with the continental tradition, what is a classis? Okay, uh, I yes, I should have clarified that. 
a classicist is really the same thing as a presbytery. So we are divided into classes and synod, which would translate to Presbyterian General Assembly, really, for your reference. And so what we have in the current RCUS uh, is really rooted in German-Russian immigrants. They had moved from Germany to Russia under uh, Tsar uh, Catherine, Catherine the Great, and later moved here to the Dakotas. And, and so our ethnicity is not only Russian, but uh, it's Russian through, or not only German, but German through Russia. Now, we praise God that uh, it has expanded since then, and we're not exclusively German-Russian, but uh, indeed the, the gospel is going out to all peoples. Uh, I can expand a little bit more on, on who we are. We are a continental reformed church, so we hold to the three forms of unity. We highly regard the Westminster standards, but uh, they are not our standards. We subscribe to the Heidelberg Catechism, the Belgic Confession, and the Canons of Dort, and hold them very dearly, particularly the Heidelberg Catechism is near and dear to this denomination each of our young people before becoming full communicant members is required to memorize the catechism and they they then recite that and that is a part of uh, their confirmation process before they become full communicant members. Thank you for sharing all that. I think that gives us a good picture of the history and the theology of the RCUS about how many congregations are in the denomination today. Oh, I just added that up. We have, if I remember correctly, 48 congregations active today. So we've gone uh, from about eight or 10 to 48 at this point in, and are thankfully active in, in planting more as the Lord provides. And are they still largely concentrated in the heartland in, in the Midwest, or are they spread out a little bit more geographically? That's an interesting question. Like I said, we really began in the Dakota Territory, but uh, if you remember your American history, uh, we had uh, the Dust Bowls, the Dirty Thirties, and these churches here, the, the members thereof, were primarily farmers and, and times were very tough. And so many of them uh, moved from the, the Dakota area to the Bakersfield and Shafter areas of California. So we have a number of congregations in, in the California area and it's expanded from there, from those uh, communities. And in recent years, we have uh, purposefully targeted uh, higher uh, concentration cities. And so we have two uh, with potential of, uh, Lord willing, a, a third congregation someday in the Twin Cities in the Minneapolis, Minnesota area. We have just established a congregation in Omaha, Nebraska, which is uh, fledgling, but doing very well. We have in the past half dozen years established a congregation in Casper, Wyoming. And, and we are purposefully aiming those uh, higher population areas because frankly, the, the agricultural, the rural areas are dying out. Uh, and so our, our cities are becoming smaller, which means that our congregations are also becoming smaller. And as our members are moving to the cities, uh, we feel that it's incumbent to uh, established churches in those cities. Well, that's really encouraging to hear. And from what I understand, 
Um, we have at, at least uh, at least two graduates now who are serving RCUS congregations in cities uh, that you've mentioned in Kansas City and also in in uh in in twin cities area too and i and there's probably more that i'm not as aware of as i i myself grow more familiar with the rcus so that all of that thank you so much for giving us a picture of the denomination and now shifting gears a little bit into a discussion of the synod who attends the rcus synod is it is it just your pastors and ministers or or do elders attend as well every one of our pastors is a delegate to synod and is expected to be there uh they must uh, submit a, an excuse if they are not going to be there at the the ministers are actually members of both the congregation, but their credentials are in classes. And so they are de facto uh, delegated to synod. But each congregation also sends one delegate. So each congregation will send an elder delegate. At least the vast majority of them do. They are all expected to. And so in practice, what you normally have are two delegates from each congregation, one minister and one elder. And that seems to work out very well. The churches are, are then represented equally and fairly. And that answers my question of what the ratio is like. You, you described that uh, very well for us. So um, how many delegates then or, uh, are, were present this year? I know you said you had... Um, well, for you know, between forty and and fifty churches, right? And so that would make you know somewhere in the ballpark of ninety to a hundred delegates possible. Um, but how how many how many were actually there? <laughs> yes, you you put your finger on on the issue there. Uh, they're not all there of the forty eight churches and, and uh, some retired ministers. We had forty four ministers. Uh, answer the roll call at the beginning of Synod, and we had 32 elders. So that means that uh, at least 16 congregations did not have an elder present uh, for the deliberations, which which is too bad. But some of them are very small, and it is a a burden. Frankly, it it can be a, a large burden for some of those congregations. We have that same issue even in the PCA, which is even uh, which is a much larger denomination. Uh, but uh, and I think every every denomination struggles with that. But the value of connectionalism is such that the expense and the sacrifice is worth it. And um, I think it's incumbent upon us to engage in those national level courts of the church in order to provide oversight and accountability and and. Um, and, and correspond and collaborate in, in mission works at that level. And, and it's biblical, <laughs> which is the most important um, support for us is this is a biblical directive. That's, that's what we believe is reformed and Presbyterian uh, churchmen. So I guess this is a simple question. Was every congregation then represented between, between either ministers or elders that were there or were a couple congregations um, unfortunately left out in terms of representation? Sadly, there were a couple congregations which were left out, and primarily those were small, struggling congregations that, that may only have one or two elders. They were probably farmers, and it was calving season, it was planting season, and, and understandably they were hindered. But uh, yes, there were a few primarily smaller congregations that were not present. 
but they were certainly all invited. Understandable. So how how is RCUS Synod conducted? You've been in in the URCNA as well, so you you might have a frame of reference as to how these things go um, outside of your current context. But what are what's the atmosphere like? What are some of the distinctives of the RCUS Synod and uh, and its worship? Good question. Uh, yes, I, I was first in the United Reformed Churches, and I have had uh, the, the blessed opportunity to visit a nov- number of other uh, sister denominations in their uh, local and broader assemblies. The RCUS assembly is similar in many ways, but I can just walk you through a, a little bit. Uh, we do begin with a roll call of all all those who have been delegated to see how many are there. And then we elect our officers, a president, a vice president, a stated clerk, and and a treasurer uh, who serve on a year-to-year basis. Uh, the atmosphere is wonderful. One, one uh, unique at aspect of, of how we delegate is uh, we're often picked on for this. Uh, we define the bar of the house. And so all delegates are expected to sit within the bar. And of course, that uh, brings up a few jokes among among the visitors. Uh, but yes, we, those who are delegated are then set within the bar. And we have a, a very orderly, we were blessed with a very good president, and we have for many, many years, uh, who, who led the deliberations in an orderly fashion. Uh, all things were done decently. And it was a generally congenial uh, atmosphere. There are, of course, always times when, when opposing sides butt heads, and uh, it, it can get a little bit uh, difficult. But uh, those are always, re- always uh, resolved in a timely manner. And even outside of the, the sessions, uh, it was a wonderful time of being able to catch up with the other delegates, the other ministers, the other elders. And one of the beauties of a small denomination like this is you really can get to know virtually everyone who is delegated. Uh, and you see them from year to year and are able to develop friendships. And so, yes, it, it is uh, it is conducted very well. And I've been very very happy. I've witnessed a number of uh, synods and, and general assemblies, and, and this is a well-run assembly uh, for which I'm very thankful. Praise the Lord. So from what I understand, uh, you had a special theme of some kind for the worship services. What was that? And, and well, I'm sure the motivation will be fairly obvious when you share it. A- absolutely. Uh, and, and this, of course, uh, commemorating the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. The theme of our services were the five solas. And so we had a, a number of different uh, pastors who led different worship, either worship services or devotional services. Monday and Wednesday, we had full worship services in the evening. And each of the other days, we had uh, morning devotions where the speakers would uh, work their way through the five solas. And it was very nice then to uh, be able to see the development of the solas and and how that uh, really forms the, the core of, of the Reformed faith. So that 
the theme really fit well uh, throughout this year as it was developed from one devotional or one worship service to the next. Now, from what I understand, you also had a, a couple of special committee reports due this year. What were the conclusions of, well, what were those reports and what were their conclusions? Yes. Uh, the first committee report, special committee that was established, I believe last year, it may have even been two years ago, my memory's failing me on that, was concerning cremation uh, and whether cremation was a biblically acceptable form of disposal of, of the deceased. Now, sadly, they did not conclude their work. I believe that their notes may have burned up, uh, but they asked for one more time to, or one more year to complete their report, and that was given. The second special committee was actually uh, given to Synod last year that originated out of the Western classes of, of the RCUS, which is primarily California, and that dealt with uh, the current issue of two kingdom theology. Western Classis wrote a, a very good, uh, in many ways, uh, paper, and they adopted that paper concerning two kingdom theology and passed it along to Synod for adoption. There was a special committee that was tasked with looking at that, and their report uh, concluded that uh, we recommended that we ought not receive it, not because they necessarily uh, disagreed with the conclusions, but they found that there were issues inherent with the report that uh, it was not uh, appropriate for us to receive at this time. So after some discussion, we decided to send it back to Western classes to do with as they will. Uh, Lord willing, they'll work on it, take some of the critique that was given to them and and rework it and submit it that we can uh, consider it again another year. So neither one of those special committee reports were received for two different reasons. Interesting. And uh, were any new special committees formed this year to address any other issues? Yes, we did uh, establish one more special committee, and that one originated, as I recall, out of uh, one of the Minneapolis congregations. But it came to us uh, through Covenant East. And the question of that committee uh, that that committee brought to us was, quote, is voting in the church an exercise of authority according to Scripture? And the root of that question comes down to our longstanding tradition of, congr- of uh, professing male-only voting in a congregational meeting. Now, that is a longstanding tradition but it is not uh, codified in any of our rules or uh, church order, which is called a constitution. Uh, The vast majority of the congregations hold to male-only voting, usually beginning at age 21, if they have made profession of faith. But there are a couple of exceptions. And so the question was really brought to us so that we can have a unified answer. So a special committee was established for that. Considering the members who have been placed on that committee coming from uh, opposing sides, I fully expect a majority and a minority report coming back to us next year, and I I couldn't even begin to guess on which one would be which. But I look forward to reading it. Yeah, that's fascinating. I, I yeah. 
that's hard to believe that um, that this that this issue wouldn't have been um, officially codified in some way up to this point in in terms of um, you know who gets to vote at a congregational meeting um, in the churches I've always been in and I've always been in Presbyterian churches it's been every communicant member male or female. And yep. so you, this committee will have a number of things to work through. They're going to have to work through the, the question of, of male-only voting versus men and women voting, but then also the question of, uh, of the age of voting, because you have now young adults in your congregations who are communicant members but not permitted to vote, uh, and, and it's just an unspoken rule that's, yep. that's been practiced. Well. That gives me something to look forward to next year. I feel like I'm in the know. That's good. That's what these denominational debriefs are for. We're still arguing about whether they can vote, not whether or not they can uh, uh, be ordained to any sort of office. So, yes, it's uh, it's a question that, that really has to be dealt with. This past year in the RCUS witnessed the loss of some of your ministers, but also the welcoming, the welcoming in of candidates who have either completed their seminary education or were about to at the time of synod, um, welcoming them into the ordained ministry. Can you tell us anything about that? Yes, uh, we did sadly lose three of our uh, well-beloved ministers. Uh, the, the first and, and the oldest of them was an anticipated death. He was still serving right up until until his death, but that was Dr. Bud Powell of uh, Colorado Springs. Dearly beloved, he was in fact uh, the primary uh, examiner when I came into the RCOS, and, and he is, is certainly dearly missed already, although this was an anticipated. He was uh, retiring because he knew that his days were, were short, and that pulpit has now been filled, and we are thankful for that. The next two were younger men uh, that died somewhat unexpectedly, in one case extremely unexpectedly, of a massive heart attack. Uh, Reverend George Sims uh, died. He was a member of, or he was the minister of Watertown, South Dakota. And then uh, Reverend Darrell Kingswood uh, died suddenly in January. He was the pastor of of Hope Reformed Church in Sutton, Nebraska. So those three piled on top of each other throughout this year uh, really took its toll. And, and you could feel the the hurt among the delegates. In fact, uh, the abstracts, which are really the minutes of, of Synod, were dedicated this year to those three pastors. And there were a number of elders who had died also throughout the year, and those were noted as well. We did receive one new minister up to a, a small North Dakota congregation, that Ashley, North Dakota, received uh, Pastor David Irwin, I believe from the PCA, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, so he is our newest minister. And yes, we uh, do also have a graduate of Greenville. Uh, he is not ordained at this point is my understanding, but he is a uh, uh, stated supply in Kansas City, and that is uh, Mr. Chris Campbell, and, and we're very thankful for this young blood that is is coming into the denomination as well. We did also receive one uh, in a similar, uh, also a recent graduate of another seminary who will be serving in Shafter, California. And so we're, we're very thankful for the young men that the Lord is raising up to 
fill these pulpits, which sadly uh, were vacated unexpectedly. So we're, we're very thankful for that. And from what I understand, at least in Christopher's case, um, the way that the way that you become a minister in the RCUS is a bit different than in, say, the PCA or the OPC or the ARP in Presbyterian bodies. You you sit for your ordination exams after you begin um, your your stated supply work in the congregation that you're prospectively going to be ordained into, or at least in Christopher's case, um, that was my understanding. So the hope is by the end of the summer or, or in the fall, he'll be ordained into uh, as the pastor of that church there in Kansas City. Do I have that straight? Uh, yes, uh, very, very close at least. Uh, and yes, that is the expectation and the hope. Uh, we, our licensure is typically done at or near the end of of the seminary education. And that is a full extensive uh, examination, much like you would see in the PCA or in the OPC. And then there yet comes uh, an ordination examination, which usually focuses on any areas that uh, were found to be weak in the licensure. And that's where the emphasis is. And trust me, they always find something. That's, That's the job, right? So, yes, uh, he and and we do need internships. Uh, I'm not sure how long of an internship he had done, but uh, an, an internship is also required before ordination. So I'm sure he's fulfilling all of those requirements also now. So, yes, uh, licensure and then ordination exam and, and then an ordination committee is established by the classes for the actual ordination service. And and yeah, it sounds like uh, that will be coming up before too long for our dear brother down in Kansas City. That's exciting. That's exactly why Greenville Seminary exists. It's to equip men for the ministry, for preaching and pastoring God's uh, God's people, and then also um, serving in the courts of the church. And I think you're, you're, the RCUS is is better for having Christopher Campbell there by God's grace. Amen. And um, and we're going to miss him here at the seminary. He was our for our listeners to know. Um, you you probably re- recognize that our website changed recently, and and we're still you know bringing in updates and rolling out different aspects of it. But it's primarily because Christopher has been managing our website uh, during his time as a student. And now that he's going into the pastorate, we didn't want him to be bogged down with maintaining our website. And so we had to figure out a new solution. But that is a lot of work. And I miss Christopher. And um, But I'm also very happy for him. It's been enjoyable getting to work with him a little bit just uh, this past uh, six months and getting to know him over the past couple of years while we've studied together. So moving on in our in our questions here, um, I'm curious about the RCUS's uh, mission works, either domestic or international. Um, does, does the RCUS have a, a strong missionary impulse like the other denominations that the seminary serves? And, and if so, could you tell us a bit about it? For the size of our denomination, I think uh, that we are very active in missions, and, and we we are always eager to develop those those mission works. We have been uh, active partners with with the church in Philippines, a denomination, small denomination 
there. Uh, in fact, we have uh, a man going in the near future who will be teaching, doing some teaching there, and and we have received one of their ministers here last year to address our our synod. Uh, so we have a, a very very good strong work going there. Uh, we also work throughout the world, uh, the Congo being one of one of the places where we we are active in missions. At this most recent uh, synod, we were received an address from a uh, Dr. Victor de de, de Asenville. Victor de Asenville, I believe that's how it's pronounced, uh, and he is an instructor, perhaps president. I'm not certain of his title of a small seminary in Heidelberg, Germany. Uh, once again, bringing the Reformed faith uh, to the Church of the Platina. And so with our German background, that is uh, very near and dear to us. And so he was very warmly received. Uh, he even came up here before Senate and spent some time in Minnow. So I was able to spend an afternoon with him, a godly man that we are excited to see the work in, in Germany, uh, the Reformed faith taking off again there, and we are eager to be able to uh, be a part of that work. Uh, and throughout the world, we have uh, different aspects of, of mission work also. But like I had alluded to earlier, domestically, uh, we have really shifted our focus as a denomination from going to rural farm uh, towns like uh, we originated to the larger cities. And so we are uh, actively developing works there. We've had an ongoing work in Los Angeles, and, and I listed off a number of other towns earlier on, Omaha and Casper and Minneapolis. And uh, we are even looking at developing into the Denver area, just in the, pre in the planning process right now of uh, being able to establish there, as we have a number of congregations in Colorado already to be able to assist and surround and, and uh, be able to uh, develop works there. And, and we're always looking for more opportunities to uh, develop the re develop Reformed churches, particularly RCUS congregations. Uh, but we do take very seriously our comedy agreements with our fellow denominations, and, and we don't seek to step on, on any toes, but to uh, be able to work cooperatively with our sister denominations for the spread of the gospel. So if there's one word I could use to sum up this denominational debrief, it's encouraging. I, I've i yeah. learned a lot, Travis, about the RCUS just in this last half hour that we've spent together. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Anyone listening to this podcast that was unfamiliar with the RCUS previously should have a um, a, a pretty high-level picture of, of this small but but earnest and hardworking denomination who uh, is is spreading the gospel not just in the heartland but on, on the West Coast and, and around the world, it sounds like. So I pray that the Lord would prosper your work. And I, again, exhort our listeners to to lift up the RCUS in your prayers, lift up, you know, Mr. Christopher Campbell, a recent Greenville grad who's going into an RCUS pulpit, as well as um, Mr. Travis Grassmid, who is, uh, you know, been a, a 
been graduated from Greenville for a number of years and serving in Christ's church um, in in a number of denominations, but most recently and currently in the RCUS. So I'm looking forward to getting to know you all more. And I, th- I believe next year it's my turn to, to come to Synod on behalf of the seminary, and I'm excited to get to know the delegates that are there and get to share some table fellowship with you men as well as observe the business of the Synod, and particularly to hear this report back back, um, or at least a preliminary report back on the issue of who gets to vote in congregational meetings, because um, I think that's going to be fascinating. Um, I, I I thought I was too young to witness any of those kinds of discussions, because I thought all of that was settled like 150 years ago. So I'm I'm excited to get to get to witness it next year. Uh, I really am. Now I want to leave you with the final word, Travis. Um, you could you could share with us the single most encouraging takeaway from Synod, or you can just give us some final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners. Go right ahead. You know, if I were to try to summarize this most recent synod, and honestly, it would uh, summarize all of the synods that I have attended thus far, it would be a true, heartfelt commitment to being faithful to Scripture. Sola Scriptura, which was our our first message that we heard at synod anyway. Uh, Dr. Bob Grossman delivered that, that message. But there is a true commitment to to Scripture and to faithfulness and a love for God, uh, which I, I praise God for uh, being able to serve in, in such a committed denomination. I, I truly love it. And I love that we are able to uh, partner with Greenville Presbyterian. Uh, like I said at the beginning, a seminary that is near and dear to me because I am a graduate of it. Uh, but we, we truly, as a denomination, love Greenville Seminary. Uh, we support a number of, of seminaries. Greenville is one of, one of them. But uh, I, I love the, uh, being able to serve on the board. I really look forward to meeting you and, and all the other students and reacquainting myself with some of the faculty that are still there, meeting some of the new ones and look forward to seeing you when you uh, attend also next year at the Senate. Uh, they'll, they'll be good to be able to spend some time with you at that point also. So I thank you for this interview and, and the opportunity to speak of the work of the RCOS. Thank you, Travis, and God bless you. You've been listening to a production of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. For more information about the seminary, please visit www.gpts.edu.